This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good Saturday morning. This is the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming you to The Garden Show. Now, let's see if my boss, well... It's her show. Charlie Dobbin. She's she on the line from her home in Prince Edward County. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Frankie. How are you and Shirley doing? Are you still self-isolating? Yes, indeed we are. Going on, what, uh, three weeks now. How about you and your partner, Elliot? Yes, we are too. And let's hope everybody that can is doing just that. Exactly. And just like last week, we're going to be totally upfront. <sighs> And admit that this show was recorded a couple of days ago. And I think our audience will get a kick out of hearing how we got the show on the road. <laughs> and speaking of on the road, that's where you were a couple of days ago, in your car, parked at the corner of Aurora Road and Kennedy Road with two iPhones, one for us to chat on and the second to record audio on the voice memo feature. And remind me again, why are you there? Well, because you <laughs> told me to check the signal strength from our cabin in the woods there. Hmm, only had two bars there, but I've got four bars at this corner right now. Hanson's uh, Chinese Pizza Restaurant is where I'm located. And how about your two iPhones in Prince Edward County? Uh, I think they're working just perfectly, but uh, to be absolutely clear and honest, I'm not just using iPhones, okay? All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, but that, you know, that does leave one important member of the team to mention. Yes, our man, tech guy Joel. Thank you, Joel. Because his house is undergoing total renovation, like no sinks or washrooms. He was in an Airbnb in downtown Toronto, seamlessly sewing our conversations together. Don't you just love technology and Joel? <laughs> <laughs> and indeed we do. Thank goodness for him. Well, now we've let the cat out of the bag. Let's turn our attention to gardening. And the emails we've received, I was blown away with the number of folks who contacted you, Charlie, with emails. I know. Don't, don't you love our listeners? They really, they responded to the shout out and the call for email. And I think people kind of were getting a kick out of listening to the show based on email questions, as opposed to all the different callers calling in doing, you know, live call in. We're doing live email in. Exactly. Um, you've got a <laughs> note there. Uh, maybe we could cover off right off the top about uh, community gardens. What's the story there? 
Well, this is something that's, as far as I know, still very timely and in the news. Uh, Ontario, in its wisdom, lumped gardens in with recreational amenities and ordered them closed. So that's the community gardens that were now, that are being, cons- well, of course, us gardeners would like community gardeners to be considered essential, uh, but uh, Ontario has lumped them in with recreational amenities and has ordered all community gardens closed. So this is a bit of an outrage. Clearly, a whole bunch of people grow a whole bunch of food in their community gardens. And as well, gardens help support food banks and charities and provide nourishment to some of Ontario's most vulnerable. So uh, bottom line is, let your MPP know that, uh, you know, we just do not want the community gardens closed as a result of them being considered non-essential. We like them to be considered truly essential. And like I said, this, this is, as far as I know, timely, but everything is changing on a daily basis. It's so important for our mental health to have uh, community gardens, things like that, that folks mm-hmm. can get involved with. Now, uh, just a quick reminder here that we are not taking phone calls right now. If you just tuned in, we are dealing only with emails. And I would ask right now, if if you want to send a question to Charlie, here is her email address, and we'll address it next week, your question. But it is c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And kind of keep in mind, too, that we might be throwing some... uh, phone numbers and, uh, you know, websites that you, you can always check our podcasts uh, middle of the week, basically, uh, by the time this gets downloaded and so forth and to be able to pick up on all of that. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be set to take our first break right now and then mm-hmm. come back and, and deal with some of those emails. <laughs> Good idea. All righty. Back in a moment here on the garden show from Zoomer radio. Rest assured that Stokes Seeds is operating as an essential service, adhering to all health and safety guidelines. Stokes takes its role in the food chain seriously and wishes to thank its employees for their commitment and dedication in successfully fulfilling seed orders for its customers. At this crucial time, Stokes' first priority is to delivering seed to commercial vegetable growers. Home gardeners can expect to receive delivery in three to five weeks. Stokes thanks you for your patience. Please, Stay safe. Of course, you always want to be there for your parents and grandparents. But when you can't be right there with them, Direct Alert by TELUS Health can be. This personal emergency response service gives your loved ones access to 24-7 support at the push of a button. And knowing they're taken care of takes some of the worry away. Direct Alert by TELUS Health is simple to install yourself, ships directly to you, and starts at $25 a month. Right now, you can save up to $180 a year on select plans. Visit directalert.ca for details. Is your advisor too busy to talk to you or are they just avoiding you? Janice Honeyman, Portfolio Manager at Mackey Research Capital. Not staying in touch is one of the top reasons Canadians leave their financial advisor. If you would like to have a real conversation about your portfolio or financial plan with someone who will always have time for you, call me. To meet with Janice, call 416 860-7781 or visit her at janicehoneyman.com CARP presents Money You Didn't Know You Had Savings and Discounts Exclusively for CARP Members Like this great offer from Royal Home Improvements on your next home addition or renovation project Seniors 55 plus pay no HST That could mean thousands of dollars in your pocket but only if you're a CARP member 
Check out all CARP benefits at carp.ca slash benefits. We're talking hundreds, even thousands of dollars of money you didn't know you had. So if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we are back on The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, located in Prince Edward County. I'm at the uh, Aurora Road intersection <laughs> with uh, Kennedy Road from my car. We're all doing this uh, in advance, of course. And our thanks once again to Joel. Now, here's so, a note from... But Frank, I have a quick question. Yes. So you're yeah. sitting in your car? Like, are people, like, looking strangely at you as they drive by? No. Uh, and thank <laughs> goodness. I, I snuck on, onto the property here, and I keep expecting the owner to come on and say, Hey, what the hell are you doing on my parking oh, lot? Right, right. <laughs> so right. no, uh, no, no, no. Nobody, nobody has questioned me yet. Thank okay. goodness. Okay, we we got a note here that I think is connected to our last email. Uh, Gene Milne says, Hi, Charlie. This is a photo. I was looking for the one on the left is Princess Dime, middle one, and the old one. I can't remember the other name. So she's referring to a picture. Maybe you can explain what you've got in front of you there. Right. So it's a photograph that Jean sent with three pots, and in each of the pots, she has clematis growing. And she sent one email and then followed up with this one. And she was just wondering, like, what should I do? I've got these clematis that looked pretty good last year. And now uh, what do I do this year? Um, so my answer, obviously, to Jean is if those plants have survived the winter, which they may have. We had a very mild winter. So if those plants have survived, then I would just do exactly what um, we were just uh, suggesting that uh, Jean Donnelly do, or sorry, Janet Donnelly do, which is to cut them down. So watch for the fresh new growth on all three of those plants and then cut down as appropriate. Now, remember, at this time of year, I typically will fertilize my garden plants. So whether I'm cutting down clematis or I'm cutting down roses, pruning back various and sundry things, now is the time to feed. So whether you feed with synthetic fertilizers, like, you know, miracle growth type things, water-soluble fertilizers, or you fertilize with some organic um, compost that you've made yourself or some composted manure. Either way, feed feed the plants. Make sure that they've got the nutrients they need to really, you know, show you what they can do, the, give you the flowers you're looking for, and the nice juicy growth. So, so above ground, those pots were, I assume, above ground all winter in that spot. And it's, like I said, assuming they're alive, enjoy them. If they're not alive, then you've learned a lesson. You'll have to replace them and then bury the pots before next winter. All right. Okay. Uh, that, uh, by the way, was from Jean Milne, who tacks on a little note at the end here. She says, love listening to you and Frank on a Saturday morning. Stay safe and well during this unfortunate time we're in. And we can pass our thoughts along in those regards, too. You know, keep self-isolating, folks. It's no time to give up. That is for sure. Okay, Charlie, let's see. We've got a note here from Irene, who's, and this is about growing radish and onions. Um, when planting radish, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's just timely. It's a timely tip from Irene because we're at, we're at that point, and I know we have listeners down in the banana belt part of Ontario, St. Catharines, Chatham area, and they probably are just about going out and planting their radishes and onions as we are speaking. Yeah, she says, um, when planting radish seeds or small onions in my garden, I open up a couple of small black tea bags and lay the tea leaves next to the seeds before covering. Apparently, that keeps the white worms from eating these things as they grow in the soil. I've never heard of that before. How about you? 
Well, not not specifically tea, though many people do use tea, uh, tea leaves that have already been brewed, type tea leaves, as an organic amendment in their soil. There are some maggots, uh, soil worms that will burrow into our root crops like radishes and even the little onions. There are onion maggots. Way back in the day when I went to university and I first started working in retail, we used to use a fairly toxic um, dust, insecticidal dust on the, before, as we planted these, these seeds or the little onion sets, they're called. Uh, we used to use an insecticide. Now we don't do that anymore, which is, I think, probably just as well. I mean, we are planning on eating these things. So we might as well keep the, the toxic insecticides put away and keep it simple, keep it organic. And why not? Tea leaves, if they work, let's use them. All righty. Uh, I had a really positive note here from Marsha Lomas. Uh, from uh, Glen Echo Nursery. Mm. Do you want to deal with that? Yeah. Well, she was the one who was last week or two weeks ago was just kind of giving us a heads up about curbs- curbside pickup because, again, we still have confusion. Uh, is is the nursery business an essential service? Nobody's arguing whether gas stations should be open and whether grocery stores or um, even, you know, drug stores should be open. Everybody's okay. That's essential. But, you know, the dollar store is open. Like, what's so essential about the dollar store? Uh, so, so we have the same thing going on with garden centers. Garden centers don't know whether they're essential or not. They haven't really got a definitive answer on that. So some of them are open and you can actually walk into them and shop around. Others are saying, we don't want you inside our stores, but we will pick what you wish for, email or phone us your order, pay in advance, and we will bring it out to the curb. We will even load your car. So if you're needing big bags of soil or anything like that, uh, Glen Echo Nurseries is open for just that, curbside pickup and even deliveries. They will be doing deliveries as well. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the number of nurseries who have uh, laid out a lot of money to uh, build up their oh, stock. Of yeah. course, they've done this for months in advance of uh, this time. Exactly and and right. here they are, in, in some cases, <laughs> looking at total decimation of their business. So mm-hmm. any way we can fi- figure out to help these folks, whether you even call to buy a, a card, a gift card uh, from them, that would mm-hmm. be That's certainly a, a way idea. of yeah. getting, getting some help to them financially, you know? Well, and, and Frank, you know, it's interesting. Um, my ex neighbor from Richmond Hill, back in Richmond Hill, works for Mackenzie Seeds out of, uh, Brandon, Manitoba. And I contacted her because I was thinking, you know, I'm getting, uh, it's funny. We're not shopping very much, obviously, right? We're kind of shopping every couple of weeks for basic necessities. And, and we're going to the back of the cupboards to see what we've got there for dinner every night. And I keep getting these hankerings for fresh lettuce. And we just do not have fresh lettuce in our fridge because it just won't last that long. So I said, okay, I got to grow some lettuce. Like I need fresh lettuce. I got to grow some. But, and I have some old seeds from downstairs. So I, I planted those up. But then I thought, oh, they're so old. They might not grow. I need some fresh ones. So I contacted my neighbor back in Richmond Hill. And she said, oh my goodness, we are, we have broken all records on seed sales this year. Seeds are going like hotcakes. And, and and she said, and I can't send you any because I don't have any to send you. So I went, fine, fine, fine. I'll find some here in, in the Belleville area, which I did. I, I did find a store that was open. I did go shopping for potting soil and lettuce seeds and parsley seeds and, and even some cat grass seeds for all my, for both my kitty cats that need to be chowing down on grass as well. <laughs> Good stuff. I, I have a really neat note here that's connected to a, 
the subject matter at hand <laughs> from uh, Cheryl Mosco uh, and uh, regarding garden center delivery. Sharon Garden Center in Vaughan on Keel Street is offering delivery. They're a small family-owned garden center, and they're just wonderful. In fact, I understand they sent you some gorgeous pansies. Uh, to Cheryl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. to Cheryl. I'm sorry. Okay. I thought they sent it to you. And I, <laughs> I wish. Charlie, Charlie's <laughs> holding back on me. I didn't hear it. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Lowe's, they're offering free delivery with no minimum order for garden supplies like hoses, fertilizers, small bags of potting soil, etc. And uh, she says, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to be offering delivery of plants when right. they get them. That's Mackenzie, Mackenzie Seeds and the OC, what are the OSCCs? What? OSC stands for Ontario Seed Company. So Mackenzie is, as I mentioned, Mackenzie is a seed company out of Manitoba. OSC is an Ontario seed company. They are offering delivery as well, uh, minimum $35 purchase. But so that's it, right? I mean, we, we can get our supplies, but don't leave it too long because, you know, by the time these things get ordered up, put in the mail and received by you, you want to, you know, still have time to get stuff planted and, and get a good crop if you're growing edibles or get some great flowers if you're growing ornamentals. Right. Cheryl just closes with, I can't go out right now, but where there's a will, there's a way. (laughs) (laughs) Good positive note there. Well, exactly. Just what you're going to say. Can't go out right now. Yeah. So stay, stay home if you can and do your ordering over the phone or online if you can, instead of going out. Just keep yourself safe and keep others safe by staying home. All righty. On to our next email with a reminder that you are listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. We're not taking phone calls today, but indeed answering emails. And if at any point uh, a question crops up in your mind saying, boy, I'd like to know what she thinks about that, send a little note, an email to Charlie Dobbin. It is C dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N at M-Z Media dot com and we'll try to deal with that next week okay now let's go on to a question here from irene she says hi charlie i have several african violets in the house and have had good luck with them for years but there's one that grows straight up it gives me beautiful blooms regularly but looks very odd <laughs> could, this, could this be a variety oddity any any thoughts would be appreciated <laughs> Thanks for your question, Irene. Uh, and Irene is pretty clever. Eh? She she's the one who sent us the tip about the radishes and onions. So she's sending tips and questions, and that is a good question. I'm honestly not sure. Uh, a variety oddity. You know about African violets? There are so many mutations of African violets out there, and the African Violet Lover Society uh, knows all the hundreds of maybe hundreds of thousands, certainly thousands of different cultivars that are out there, colors, shapes, sizes of flowers and leaves and plants. So my suggestion to you, Irene, is check out the African Violet Society. Even send them a picture because they'll know for sure. It's A, V as in violet, sc.ca. So African Violet Society of Canada dot ca avsc and they can let you know maybe let me know uh you know what's going on with an african violet that grows straight up <laughs> now uh here's here's a very interesting question in from ann melnick uh and the subject is the longevity of coronavirus on pussy willows especially the catkins and she says good day our easter palm sunday is celebrated on the 13th of april the ukrainian palm sunday uh, due to the mild weather in the city of Toronto, 
The branches were cut and stored in my garage during the first week of March in a garbage bin with approximately three centimeters of water. Now, here's the question. She says, having the pussy willow catkins are being self-isolated in the garage and myself not exposed to the COVID-19, would it be possible and safe to donate them to my ethnic stores and friends? And that from Ann Melnick. What do you say, Charlie? I say that is an amazing question. And you know what? There is no definitive answer for it. Um, what I did is I looked up, and, and I think this is pretty interesting for all of us because, you know, we're all thinking about it. That what about this coronavirus and what about how long the droplets last on any given surface, which is really her question. We, we know based on what she's told us, the pussy willows are clean right now. They have been completely self-isolated since early March. So there was absolutely no coronavirus around in her garage in Toronto at that time. And she herself feels clean and clear. So there she is with pussy willows that are beautiful and she wants to share them. So I thought, well, what if she shares them? And what if she gives a couple of branches to her friends and neighbors and the various stores in the neighborhood? And then somebody sneezes on one and actually puts droplets of coronavirus onto one of those pussy willows, how long might that virus live on the pussy willow? And you know what? It's it. Nobody really knows because the droplets land on surfaces after either going through the air, um, you know, droplets, somebody sneezes um, or coughs, whatever, and then the droplets land on different surfaces. Now we can either touch those those viruses with our fingers and then touch our face, or we can just absorb some of these viruses from the air if somebody sneezes in our neighborhood. So the survival of that virus really depends on what surface it lands on. COVID-19, it's pretty unknown exactly the details about that particular virus, but the family of viruses that COVID-19 belongs to are called coronaviruses. And believe it or not, they can live anywhere from a couple of hours up to seven days on different surfaces. Yeah. So, and the, the couple of hours is things like a piece of paper, a paper towel, a Kleenex. That virus can actually survive perhaps for as long as a couple hours just on that piece of paper. But on some plastic or some metal, uh, th- there is evidence of coronaviruses, uh, potentially surviving on, on those kind of surfaces. So what, what am I recommending to Anne? I'm recommending to Anne that she probably think pretty seriously about what to do with those pussy willows. I, I believe they're completely clean and clear, but I'm not positive if she would feel comfortable providing them to others, knowing that they could then become infected. And, you know, people love to touch pussy willows. So before you know it, somebody's touching with their fingers and then touching their face. And just in case somebody sneezes in the meantime, maybe best not shared. Yeah, I remember when I lived in St. Catharines, Charlie, and we used to go on a little drive in the countryside. There used to be one place, I think on Highway 8, where a, a gardener would cut uh, uh, pussy willows down, leave it in a bucket, and, you know, on the honor system, you yeah. went, got your pussy willows, laid a couple of dollars down, whatever it was, yeah. and drove away. That now is, in, you know, a little bit in doubt whether you should do that or not. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think most people wouldn't do that. It's because this virus, it, it's a pretty frightening disease, and it's, it's invisible, right? These are microscopic viruses, absolutely invisible. So best to err on the side of caution, I think would be my recommendation this year when it comes to uh, any kind of um, things that we, we might have a tendency to touch and then touch ourselves. 
Right. Uh, there's so much we don't know about this particular virus. As a matter yeah. of fact, it's fi- it just dawned on me the other day that yeah. the term novel coronavirus yeah. simply means new virus. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so we're discovering things about this all the time. In any right. case, we're just about up to our next break here on the show, the Garden Show, where we're featuring emails from you, our listeners. And God bless you for doing that. We really appreciate that. Uh, Charlie Dobbin will return in just a couple of moments to uh, deal with another question. we got several more to go, so don't go away. <laughs> Keep it right where it is. Zoomer Radio AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Back in a moment. For more than a decade, Joe and Jeanette Rochemont of Cruise Holidays of Clarkson have hosted classical FM listeners on musical cruises all over the world. While the storm clouds of COVID-19 gather, they're staying safely in port and hope you are as well. But soon the clouds will part, the seas will settle, and the world will be ours to explore once more. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on board again soon. Stop the spread. COVID-19 can be deadly. Everyone must do their part to stop the spread of COVID-19. Ignoring self-isolation or physical distancing advice can have devastating effects and endanger the lives of your family, your friends, and your neighbors. So do your part. Don't risk becoming a spreader. Stay home and save lives. For information, visit Ontario.ca slash coronavirus. Paid for by the Government of Ontario. Rest assured that Stokes Seeds is operating as an essential service, adhering to all health and safety guidelines. Stokes takes its role in the food chain seriously and wishes to thank its employees for their commitment and dedication in successfully fulfilling seed orders for its customers. At this crucial time, Stokes' first priority is to delivering seed to commercial vegetable growers. Home gardeners can expect to receive delivery in three to five weeks. Stokes thanks you for your patience. Please, Stay safe. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, uh, yes. And you are going to, uh, I'll say, um, why don't I start, Frank, and just say, hey, Frank, I sent you an announcement email that maybe you'd like to share. Okay? Okay. And then from that, when we just go into the Norfolk, like number two, number three, I have like 20 emails. There's lots of email. All right. All right. Uh, 10. This is a 10, though it's probably about nine when you put it all together by the time you fit in commercials. So nine, nine is good. Okay. I'm starting. Well, here we are back in the garden show, and we appreciate you tuning our way here on Zoomer Radio. Matter of fact, a quick mention that the garden show, we're dealing with uh, emails only. So no phone calls. Well, we can't wait till we get back to that point in time. But (laughs) nonetheless, we've got a ton of emails. Uh, Charlie, what have you got in front of you there? Well, I've got one there that I've, uh, it's kind of an announcement that maybe you'd like to share with our listeners. It's the one about the Greater Toronto Water Garden and Horticultural Society sent to us on March 29th by Karen Robertson. That is great. Yeah, it's, it's a terrific note. She says, uh, 
I know, uh, hi, Charlie, it's, it's been a while since I last contacted you. I hope you and your family and friends are holding up well in this health crisis. Our club is still holding on to its existence with determination and dedication. We just had a board meeting via a uh, video conference, and the uh, members uh, all participated. Great to hear their voices again. And it goes on to say, with the pandemic uh, being the cause of so many social gatherings, our president, Cliff Robertson, that's her husband, has chosen technology to be the means that our members can exchange ideas, solutions, questions, and general interests. And uh, they're hoping that their next general meeting at the Banbury Community Center will happen. But if not, of course, they'll use the Internet as their means to get in touch with their general membership. And a little more about this uh, group. I was really uh, quite impressed by the Great Here Toronto Water Garden and Horticultural Society. Matter of fact, I went online. It's very, it comes up right away there, URL. So rather than listing events for the next show, uh, perhaps uh, we would do well just to mention, hey, the club is still alive and kicking. And she goes on to say they're a social group of people who just love their food as much as they (laughs) love their gardens, ponds, and water features. And an important note here, just because you don't have a pond or any other water using features like uh, plug-in sort of thing. You can get nurseries and so forth. It doesn't mean you, you can't join the club. Uh, they've uh, got uh, highly experienced garden enthusiasts who have discovered the joys of gently splashing and foaming or agitating waters uh, along with <laughs> delightful plants and garden artichokes. And if I'm, I'm going to give her a cell phone number out here. So uh, you're going to be contacting Karen Robertson at 416 804 7081. That's 416 804 7081. Okay. Don't forget their website, www.onwatergarden. So one word, They've got, as you mentioned, events and meetings listed there, but they also have YouTube videos on how to create uh, simple water features, etc. Exactly. Okay, uh, let's see. We've got a, a really neat note here from Ed Wise. He <laughs> poses a question for you, Charlie. The subject is Norfolk Pine. Uh, she says, uh, good morning, Charlie. I've talked to you on the radio several times, so I hope you don't mind me calling you Charlie. <laughs> I, I love your show and get some very interesting hints from you. Last fall, approximately mid-November, I contacted you regarding my Norfolk Pine. Now, I've had this tree for well over 20 years. It's grown to about seven feet. Unfortunately, it has grown, uh, as it's grown, it's lost the bottom two-thirds of its branches, but it keeps growing new ones at the top. Well, you suggested I try something called air layering. Uh, I purchased the required moss you recommended. It, it costs more than he would have had to spend on a new tree. He says, but th- this tree and I have become friends, laugh out loud. And then I followed your advice, even looked up air layering. I cut about an inch off bark, uh, bark off the tree, all the way around the tree, approximately one foot below the branches that are still growing. Then I took the wet moss and wrapped it around the spot where I removed the bark and then wrapped a shrink wrap around the moss and tied it top and bottom. And when I finally unwrapped the shrink wrap and removed the moss, incidentally, the moss was moist, there were no roots as you suggested there might be. Can you tell me what I did <laughs> and how I can correct this? <clears throat> hey, that's a really good question. It's a very long question, but it's a very good question. Um, so air layering, which is, sounds like Ed did all the right things. My question back at Ed is, how long did you leave that tree wrapped up with the moist 
moss and shrink wrap. Because particularly over the winter months when plants are really pretty dormant and, and not, you know, putting out a lot of new growth, um, they just basically sit there and air layering on the trunk of a tree that's, you know, as old as this particular one, you know, 20 years old could take months and months and months for, for, um, roots to grow. So I'm just wondering how long did, was it wrapped up there, Ed? So if you wouldn't mind letting, letting me know, <clears throat> re-email, if you will, and we can follow up on this maybe next week, but recognizing. And the other thing is, if you do peel back the moss and you don't see any roots yet, wrap it all back up again. Just leave that moss, leave that shrink wrap. Roots will grow eventually, I promise. It sounds like maybe a little impatience worked its way in there to the <laughs> whole deal, huh? Well, he probably thought it was weird. I mean, it does look weird to to put a, you know, lumpy moss around a, a trunk of a tree and then put plastic around the lumpy moss. It does look weird. And people would walk into his house and say, what are you doing to that tree? So he was probably looking for some results. But don't don't panic. You will get them. Okay. Thanks, Charlie. Now, <laughs> let's uh, deal with a question sent in by Janet Donnelly. Uh, clematis or clematis, whichever way you want to say that, I guess. It's supposed to be clematis, just so you know. Oh, clematis, all right. Cle- well, I, because I, it's, I from the, it's from the Greek. No, I'm glad you brought that up. We all say clematis because it just comes off the tongue, but it's properly pronounced clematis from the Greek word clema to climb. Well, there you go. You see how our intelligence is just over-brimming here. <laughs> mm. All right, she says, now here's from Janet Donnelly, Charlie. Says I listen to your show every Saturday morning and enjoy it. The information you provide is very helpful, especially for us listeners who don't have a quote green thumb. And that's me, she says. I have a question with regard to my clematis, purple flowers. I think I've heard you say it to cut it down in early spring. Well, I haven't done that in the past and have found the new growth intertwined with the dead vines, mm. not getting as much coverage with flowers as in past years. Would cutting it down help? And when will I do that? Great question and good timing. Uh, purple-flowered clematis, likely one called Jack Manny. It's a summer flowering vine with beautiful star-shaped size of your hand, almost size flowers, right through June and July. And her point is a good one. Little bits of new growth coming up, all twined up with the old dead growth. Super ugly and not very, um, not very ornamental on any level. So not today, probably because it's still a bit early, but keep an eye on all of your summer flowering clematis. At some point in the next week to two to three weeks, you're going to start to see little buds on those vines. They look like dead vines, but you're going to see little, they look like little rab, um, mouse ears, little furry gray buds. Uh, as soon as you see those buds, get out your sharp pruners on a dry day and cut those um, those clematis, I'm talking summer flowering ones, cut them right down to about eight inches tall to just above a pair of buds and take all that top growth where there is new, there are buds, but don't worry about it. Cut it all away, compost that, and you will encourage lots of new growth. And it's on the new growth that you will get your flowers. So suddenly lots more flowers and a lot better looking plant. So that's what I would do. All righty. Uh, I just want to remind folks, if you just tuned in to Zoomer Radio, AM 740, or in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, you are listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Frank Proctor, and we're recording a show in advance because of the technological problems that have cropped up because of the good old COVID-19. Uh, However... Uh, the phone number uh, is not available this, <laughs> this week. Gonna, but I thought you were just going to give the phone numbers. <laughs> ah, no, ah, I was going to 
is going to repeat your, your email address. It is c.dobbins, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. We're up to our uh, next break here on the show. So let's take that and come back and deal with more questions. We've got tons of emails. My gosh, mm. it's, it's really wonderful to see. So we'll be back, and Charlie and I, and, and Joel too, here on Zoomer Radio. This is a challenging time, but also a time to slow down, reset, and be home. I'm Joanna Goodman, owner of Oli Fine Linens, and all our pillows, duvets, and towels are on sale up to 25% off in April. While our store is temporarily closed, you can shop online at olifinelinens.com. That's A-U-L-I-T Fine Linens. We could all use a little more comfort right now, so please stay home, take care of yourself, and be well. Well, welcome back to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor, my partner, Charlie Dobbin, located in Prince Edward County on the phone. I'm on the phone here, sitting in my car doing a show, and Joel, by his computer, somewhere in downtown Toronto, fitting all this stuff together. Here's another email for you, Charlie, from Susan Mathers, and she says, Good morning, Charlie. Is it okay to cut back Annabelle hydrangeas now in early April? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, for sure. Just keep an eye, keep an eye looking for the little green buds. So everything looks dead on the plant right now. I assume that uh, Susan and others have left their Annabelle hydrangeas alone all winter and they enjoyed the flowers, the brown, crispy, I think very ornamental flowers. Now we just have to keep an eye out as the weather's warming, the rain is falling, the birds are singing, everything's starting to burst forth with growth. You will start to see little green pairs of buds on the stems. I personally like to cut the Annabelle's right down to six inches tall, six, seven, eight inches tall. So we're talking 20, 16 to 20 centimeters tall. Nice clean cuts, nice sharp tools, nice dry day, and then walk away, let them go. Then they just grow and enjoy the, the blooms that will emerge later in the summer. Okay, good enough. Uh, let's go on to our next question here. Uh, this in from Joe Douglas. She says, uh, last year, my Niagara area Home Depot sold beautiful cedars, which we didn't buy. A local gardener, a competitor, says they have been diseased the last few years due to overproduction and not to buy them. If so, why are they being sold? Uh, Depot has the price point we can afford. We really want cedars. What do you suggest, Charlie? And then she gives us some lines from a Gloria Gaynor song. <laughs> I will survive. I tried singing it for you, but I I don't want to drive away what listeners we have. Good plan. Good plan. <laughs> okay, so this is a actually a really interesting question, Frank, because I bet you you're even, even you are probably familiar with what uh, is going on here. Emerald cedars, very popular plants. They're the bright green, shiny, uh, very, um, yeah, just uh, makes you think of Ireland. They're just so emerald looking uh, in the spring. And of course, it's been the big box stores the last five to 10 years that have been bringing them in by the truckload from Oregon in most cases. So they bring them in. Uh, they're good six, five, six, seven feet tall, these cedars. Sometimes they're in pots. Sometimes they have very small little root balls and a little bit of burlap around that root ball. And they are selling them at the $25 price point, which is, I think, what Joe is referring to, that they're very affordable. They look gorgeous. Shouldn't I be buying them because I really want them? And you know what I suggest is don't buy them. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And you're going to say, why not? They look great and the price is good because they just, my point is they've just come from the West Coast. These, these plants have been born and raised either in, in most cases, Oregon, in some cases, uh, British Columbia. They are physiologically set up for the West Coast. The, the temperatures, the moisture levels, all of it, that's what they know. Now it is early spring. We bring them into Ontario. We subject them to the realities of, of Ontario and we pray and cross our fingers and hope they survive their first winter. Generally speaking, it is about a 30% death rate on those plants every winter. So <clears throat> there's no guarantees. So your $25 each done, gone. As far as I know, no guarantees. And it's the work. You you pick them up, you buy them, you put them in your truck or your trailer, you bring them home, you plant them, you nurture them, you wish for them to be perfect, and yet next, the following spring, there they are, crispy, copper, orange in the garden, and you have to pull them out. And like I said, you probably have to just go buy more, and then there's all the hassle of picking them up and bringing them home and planting them again. So my suggestion is don't do it. Don't like, unless you have a, a gardener on staff who will just do these things for you without questioning, then I wouldn't do it myself. It's just way too much work for a plant that's not very likely to survive. Good enough. Um, gee, it's interesting here that we have another a question and has uh, cedars in mind again from Norm Crone says, hi, Charlie, when and how is it best to prune emerald cedars? And he goes on to say, I have three cedars planted in a row. All were planted about the same time, about nine years ago. One is about 13 feet tall, one about 11 feet, and one about nine feet tall. And I presume due to shade from a nearby building affecting the shorter ones. I'd like to keep the taller ones a little shorter and could trim them all down to seven or eight feet so that I can manage them from here on in. Should I cut them more or less straight across the top? And if so, what would be the best time? Thanks, Norm. Excellent questions. And you know what? That's a good question, even the straight across the top question. And the answer to that is no. Do not ever prune, particularly evergreens, straight across the top. Because think what happens in the winter. We get a heavy, wet snowfall landing on a flat-topped evergreen, and it just splits it wide open because it collects the snow on that tabletop surface, right? So always, always have a bit of a curve on the top of your evergreens, whether it be an individual cedar as an example, or it be a hedge. Always make sure it's got a bit of a curve and no totally perfect flat tops. So that's number one. When would be the best time? Generally speaking, you can trim cedars just about any time other than late summer. Personally, I like doing trimming on particularly, you know, plants of this age. So nine-year-old cedars, we've got some pretty serious barky stems. So bringing a 13-footer down to the seven or eight-foot height means we're going to be exposing some very blunt cut woody stems and they aren't going to be very attractive until green growth fills in and covers up those blunt cuts. So my suggestion is that we do our trimming, our pruning, whether it be top cutting and then, you know, cleaning up the top or it's side shearing. We do all of that when the plant is actively growing and um, we don't know exactly where Norm is gardening, but we'll assume it's somewhere in Southern Ontario. So <clears throat> June, late May, early, anytime in June, anytime, probably late May, right through to June is the time to do whatever you want to do to your, your cedars and your evergreens in general, do it then. Okay. Uh, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to go international. How oh, about nice. that? 
uh, a note from Annette in North Tonawanda, New York. She says, good morning. Enjoy the show all the time. Thank you. I have two comments. Charlie, you talked about plants for dry, shady areas. I want to suggest epimedium. Mm-hmm. It is grown right next to the trunks of two large maple trees and in the north-facing corner next to sandstone steps for more than 10 years. The flowers come up first, white, yellow, and burgundy. Nice green foliage in the summer, turning reddish rust in the autumn. And they stay like that during the winter. Uh, she goes on to say, you suggested dunking orchids into a pail for watering. Do you have to disinfect the pail in between? Now, hold the question. Uh, another question she has for just a little bit. What do you say to that question from Annette? Uh, the, the dunking orchids into a pail, I'm a big fan of. Uh, disinfecting in between, no. Uh, no, not unless you're, you're putting like bleach or something into that pail. I mean, I keep pails around just to keep water at room temperature. So no, I don't do any disinfecting of my pails, uh, in between filling them with water and watering plants. And, uh, I really, really like the, um, Annette recommending epimedium. She's absolutely right. It's an excellent plant for dry, shady areas. I too, had some great epimedium growing under Norway maples in my back garden in Richmond Hill. And very, very, um, a great plant, like a really just, you can really reliable plant and it is an evergreen and it's beautiful spring flower. So love that one. Okay. Uh, and you know, I, I, I must commend Annette in North Tonawanda for sneaking in the second question, <laughs> but uh, we're going to hold that. We're up to our next break right now. So I'll come back and complete that question uh, from Annette in just a couple of moments as we listen in to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is brought to you by Stokes Seeds. Select from the finest quality vegetable and flower seed at stokesseeds.com and get growing with Stokes. You're listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin in Prince Edward County. Franklin Proctor here on the intersection of uh, Aurora Road and Kennedy Road in my car. And just let me complete that uh, little question. I packed two questions in from Annette in North Tonawanda, New York. She said, one question for amaryllis. I bought bulbs during the winter. The leaves have bright red areas. Is this the fungus and what can I do against it? Hmm. Hmm, good question. I have no idea what r- bright red areas look like on amaryllis leaves. So my response to Annette is, please send pictures. Ah, <laughs> very good. Okay, that, that then gives me the little job of giving that uh, email address of Charlie out one more time. And we'd love to have more questions for the following week here, folks. So by all means, send your questions or indeed some tips uh, along to Charlie Dobbin at C. Dot Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. We'll do our very best to help deal with that, okay? Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, we're on to a question here from Ruth Combs. It says, um, hi, Charlie. We listen to you on AM740 virtually every Saturday and enjoy your wealth of information. Our two apple trees need to be sprayed, and we have two honeybee hives. So we're wondering what to use for spray that's safe for the bees. Good question. No kidding. Excellent question. So let's think about this. 
If we want to spray the trees, the fruit trees, it's because we're thinking about insects and diseases. So if we're going to spray, we need to spray with something that's going to effectively control insects and diseases. Now, let's take a step back and say, but our bees, our bees are insects. So if we spray something that's going to kill the insects on the trees, that same spray will also affect our bees. So, you know, first thing I read that, I went, can you move the hives? Like, she doesn't tell us how close the hives are to the trees. So, you know, if if they're really close, if they're only like, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 feet away, then I would say, can you move them? Just move them 50 feet away, like get them further away so you can spray the trees. Because yes, indeed, apple trees, all fruit trees need to be sprayed. This is our time when the trees are still dormant. We're, we're dormant meaning there's no leaves on them yet and no flowers on them yet. We get out our dormant spray, which is a mix of horticultural oil and lime sulfur and water all mixed together. And we very thoroughly spray the plants. And we're just spraying bark, basically, right? Because it's just the the branches and the stems of the trees. But we spray till these plants are dripping. We are doing that to control overwintering disease spores and overwintering insect eggs. And we do it when there's no wind or virtually no wind. And we do it when the temperature is above zero and there is no rain in the forecast for at least 24 hours. That's the rule with dormant spray. And it's a really, really important spray. It's the best, most uh, preventative spray, 100% organic that you can use to have the best fruit trees out there and best fruit. So then you're going to tell me that perhaps um, Ruth will say, but I can't move the hives. Like they're huge or they're too heavy or whatever. Then I'd say, okay, you're going to have to look at um, very, very early in the day, like just when the sun is coming up or very, very late in the day when the sun is just going down, when the bees are more likely to be in the hive and not out foraging because the spray will kill the bees if you contact them. So that's that's my best suggestion. All righty, Charlie. Uh, we have a, a rather lengthy note here uh, from Maureen Boyce, but all good uh, comments and questions. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, good morning, Charlie. I have a question about roses. Now, last spring, I planted three roses in the front garden, which faces west. I live in North York. I planted them 18 inches apart. And two weeks later, my gardening friend who has amazing roses told me they were too close. Well, by then they were blooming. And I was afraid to move them. They bloomed all summer and were beautiful. Do I need to move them any further apart? That's the one question. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you do need to move them, and you do need to move them sooner than later. I, I come on, even the roses have to social distance, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> she says, uh, "Should I move them after I trim them, or should I wait until May?" No. See, I would do my trimming now, again, on a dry day, and and maybe not even now. It kind of depends. In North York, you're going to be a little warmer than where I am. But the roses in the spring, the little buds will start to swell. So you've got the green, shiny bark on a rose, and then the little buds are red. So you'll start to see those little red buds really starting to, you know, get, you know, engorge with liquid right before your very eyes. So when you start to see those buds swelling, that's when you look, think about pruning the, the roses back. And it's at that point that I'd be moving them. So I'd be pruning, I'd be moving them. Now do not do a lot of fertilizing this spring. Whenever we just 
plant or transplant, we don't put a lot of fertilizer around the plants. Instead, we use a good quality, well-drained, fertile soil. If you want to incorporate some bone meal when you're uh, planting those roses, I would totally support that just to encourage root growth. Uh, and obviously some composted manure is excellent. But yeah, get those roses moved a little further apart. Um, do you want to keep going um, on Maureen's ladder? Well, she yeah. has some uh, names of the roses mm-hmm. that I thought might be helpful for some folks saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'd like to try some of those. What are the names of the roses? Mm-hmm. And so she goes on to say, Maureen does, uh, Glandiforo Rose, Dream Come True, Hybrid Tea Rose Heirloom, Hardy Rose, and they're all produced by Windmills. John goes on to say yeah, uh, that uh, they're all just lovely, bloom right until the end of October. And she wants more, and I don't blame her. I love roses. Roses are, there's so many great roses out there, uh, you know, and they are, they can be so easy. They start blooming in June and they bloom right, in some cases, right through to Christmas. So here's the bottom line. Grandiflora roses and hybrid tea roses should be planted 24 inches apart. So that's center of plant to the center of the plant beside it, 24 inches. And she's got a hybrid tea heirloom and a grandiflora dream come true. Any of the more hardy uh, bush roses, shrub roses, in her case, she's got the one called blush. They should, generally speaking, be planted 36 inches apart. So to get onto that, Maureen, I'm afraid to say you'll enjoy them even more if they are not covered in diseases and bugs because they have sufficient air and sunshine because you're going to move them further apart. All right. Thanks. All right. And you know, know, Charlie, uh, I'm glancing at my watch, which is hanging on the turn indicator in my car, and <laughs> we're, we're up to our final few seconds of the Oh my goodness! Show. Where did yeah. that? Where did the time go? Huh? Yeah. Uh, I want to thank all the folks who have taken the time and trouble to send you an email. We'll be continuing this, of course, next week. So mm-hmm. please uh, share those emails with Charlie at c at mzmedia.com. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we- meantime, you continue to self-isolate, Charlie. I'm going to do that other than when I'm out looking at what I'm trying to do in my garden. I'm meeting with a, a, a guy today to talk about hardscaping. Aha. <laughs> so that's that piece of property you've got there in Prince Edward County is going to be just a, a, a real um, hive of people. I can just see it now. Uh, eventually. Hopefully, short order. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Continue uh, to have a great weekend. Thank you, Joel, very much. Yeah, thanks both of you. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Joel. Thanks to all our great listeners for the great questions. Keep them coming. See you again next week. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.